beginning with verse 9. title of tonight's message is Actions and Reactions. We're going to pick up in a couple minutes verse number 9 through 14. And when we get to 9 to 14, that's going to be actions. When we go from verses 14 to 21, that's going to be reactions. Okay, and I'll point that out a couple more times as we go. But tonight as we're here, um, I think most of you know I'm a, a coach and a teacher. And just think of your jobs, how you're evaluated, how they find out how good a job you're doing. You know, I know as coaches we train the kids and then, of course, really their test is when they have a, a game. Everything that you've trained them to do, it comes out in the game. So the game is the litmus test. Tonight, uh, when we're looking at actions and reactions, this is a good litmus test for you and I. The last time we met, we talked about um, offering your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord, because that's really the only thing we can do. After we understand, through God's grace and mercy, what He did for you and me by dying on the cross and rising from the dead, it's like a no-brainer. We know what he did in washing away our sins, as the worship team just sang and played. It's only by his blood that our sins are gone. And as a result of that, what is our response? Well, we want Jesus to come into our hearts. We want him to be our Lord and our Savior. But as you know, if you've been a Christian just a little while or 20, 30, 40 years, it's still an ongoing process. God is doing in our hearts and in our lives. And how does he sharpen us? He sharpens us with each other. He sharpens us with people who aren't believers. He sharpens you with a thorn or maybe more than a thorn in your, more than one thorn in your side. He sharpens you with uh, people that irritate the heck out of you. And we'll look at that uh, tonight a little bit. But what's so cool is to always remember as we're going through this, this is a work of God. It's not something that we generate. It's part of his package plan for you and me. The work he began in you and me, he will complete it. It's not based on you or me, which is awesome. Because when you think of it, we know our frailties. We know our weaknesses. But God is going to be faithful through it all, throughout our whole lifetime, till we see him face to face. So let's go to um, verse 9. And again, remember, we're going we're gonna to look at some actions right now. And then when we get to 14, we're going to look for some reactions. So in verse 9, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. One of the things that this word hypocrisy came from are actors. 
Back in the day when this was written, actors would have those different kind of masks. They would have the happy face, the sad face, or the melodramatic face. So depending on what was going on in the play, they would hold up that mask and it would portray to the audience their emotional feeling. They were acting. Well, this word hypocrisy comes from that. And basically what uh, God is saying through Paul in his letter to the Romans, as our action is this, let love be without hypocrisy. Don't let it be a show. Let it be the real thing. Don't just love someone and then speak about them behind their back. Now we have to understand, I've done that before. I've been a hypocrite. But what we need to do as believers in Jesus Christ is bring that to the cross and say, Lord, I need you to get rid of my phoniness. I need you to get rid of my hypocrisy. And he starts transforming your heart from a phony heart to a real heart. And what's so cool is that your action will be changed and that's going to be to you the litmus test that the Holy Spirit is doing a neat work in your heart because you know it isn't you. It wasn't you. But God, in His grace, is making you a new creature in Him and you're starting to realize that over the course of your walk with Him. It says, Abhor what is evil. Abhor means to hate it. Don't go near it. Don't be attached to it. We have a great example with Joseph. When Potiphar's wife wanted to have an affair with him. Remember, he ran from her. He ran out of the house. And if you remember, he had a towel on. She just ripped it off. He kept going. He wouldn't allow any circumstance to keep him from doing what was pleasing In God's sight. And if you remember, he didn't want to sin against God. So that was the bottom line. He didn't care what man thought or that woman thought. He didn't care about being maybe the first streaker. And maybe that's where the 60s and 70s got the streaker from. But he was out of there. He wasn't concerned with all that stuff. If you turn with me um, to Psalm 11, verse 5. Abhor what is evil. Another word for abhor is hate. And you might say, well, does God really hate things? Like, is that such a a word in God's vocabulary? Well, let's look at Psalm chapter 11, verse 5. Psalm 11, verse 5. And it says, the Lord tests the righteous... But the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Wow. Pretty powerful, pretty powerful word right here in the Psalms. Let's take a look at one other thing while you're in the Old Testament. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, beginning with verse 16. Proverbs 6, verse 16. These six things the Lord hates. 
Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among the brethren. Now, we can take those things, those six things that the Lord hates, and probably easily place them outside the church. But do we find this inside the church? Do we find this inside our own hearts? A proud look where you put yourself above someone else in the congregation. A lying tongue. We are privileged to be in a church where you're not going to hear lies from the pulpit. But throughout our country and throughout the world in so-called Christian churches, they're lying to the people. They're changing God's word to fit into the culture. Whether it be regarding sex, whether it be regarding anything, they're changing it right from the pulpit. And people like you are out there listening and taking this as gospel because it's being taught by someone who's supposed to be hearing from God. This is why you and I have to have a working knowledge of God's word. So we're not faked out. There's a great picture, a cartoon. It's the Pope sitting in a chair and he's saying that anybody can go to heaven. Doesn't matter who you are, what your religious belief is. Everyone goes to heaven. There's a little blonde haired girl to the right of him. And she goes, well, then why the cross? Out of the mouth of babes. Hands that shed innocent blood. Think about the 50 million abortions since 1962. A heart that devises wicked plans. Scheming. Trying to do something to gain honor. Or trying to do something that puts somebody else down while it elevates yourself. Feet that are swift and running to evil. Think about that one. I remember many years calling myself a believer and then running to do evil and hoping nobody saw me. Was I really sold out to Jesus then? I don't know. I don't know the answer. That was one of the things that put the fear of God in me. I don't want to find out. I want to make sure I'm sold out for the Lord. I'm not going to play the ping pong Christian anymore, going back and forth. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among the brethren, saying something to someone. Notice it says brethren there, brother and sister. Sows discord to try to cause a split, maybe in a relationship. Maybe how one person feels against another. And these are things we should all be praying for. That that doesn't take place in this special place here. Because you know the enemy wants to sow those seeds of discord and lying and hatred and all that. Let's go back to uh, Romans. Cling to what is good. The last part of verse 9. 
Be glued to it is another way, another definition. Heavily associate, cleave. The same way a man, a woman leaves the house cling or cleaves to a man. That union, that oneness. You and I are to, are to be one in Christ, fast and firmly together as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Who is it in this congregation that irks you? You might be looking at them right now. But who is it? There's got to be somebody. There has to be. You're human. But understand, that's the very person God is using to do, be a litmus test to your heart. Are you going to give that person to the Lord so he can change your heart so that person no longer becomes that irritation, but really becomes a brother or a sister in the Lord? These are things that we have to examine as the body of Christ. Judgment begins here in each of our hearts before we even look outside these walls. Verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. We're a family. Some people have left this church because of an irritation. Whether they were an irritation or someone else was an irritation to them. Why? Think about it for a second. Brotherly love. We're a family. You're all part of a family, whether it's a dysfunctional family, which most families are. Or you can say, hey, I've been blessed. I came from a, I grew up in a really solid family. But what family doesn't have problems? What family doesn't have irritation in it? But at the same time, what family, when maybe that irritated brother, you're going to see my brother here at the end of this month. Holy mackerel, the battles that I forgot about that he'll probably remind you of. But he's my brother, boy, somebody went after him. Now all of a sudden, everything that happened is off and I'm going to be at his side fighting a battle with him. Why? He's my brother. We're of the same blood. Well, guess what, everybody? You and I are the same blood. The blood of Jesus Christ. That's huge. That's the bond that holds us together. We can agree to disagree. But we need to learn through Jesus to love one another. In honor, giving preference to one another. Be the one who says, hey, I'm sorry. Be the one to be the first to act. Honoring God by that move rather than waiting. Be the one that takes the higher road. Show the way. Somebody else is watching. 
besides the two parties or three parties involved. Somebody else is watching and can be blessed by your very action of taking a step for the Lord. We call it servant leadership. Servant leadership. You do the task first and do it unto the Lord. Not unto that person or unto yourself. Not for a special motive. Just because you love the Lord. Verse 11. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. One of the ways that not lagging in diligence is not slothful in business. If you own a business or you're part of a business, they don't want lazy people. They're going to discipline you. They're going to reprimand you. They might even fire you. Well, how much more so in the body of Christ? With the church, with everything that goes on in the church. God tells us in his word, he wants us to be fervent in spirit. He wants us to be on fire for the Lord. He wants us to do things according to his plan and his will and guided by his spirit. Serving the Lord, another um, translation of that is rejoicing in hope. Now, think about this for a second in that verse 11, where it says serving the Lord. Other translations have rejoicing in hope. Think about circumstances that you and I are in, negative, where we feel like there is no hope, or we feel like giving up, or we feel why we're, we're so, our personality is that way, and you know, this person's stepping all over, up, stepping all over me. Well, let's look at that. Hope. It's not just any hope. It's the blessed hope that Jesus Christ is going to come back one day. Or we're going to go to be with him in the air. Or we're going to go to sleep. The earth calls it death. But we're going to wake up in just a blink of an eye in the presence of the Lord. One of those three scenarios is going to happen. That's our blessed hope. So when things are going wrong, and it can be from anything from business to family to your job to a club to a sport, it doesn't matter. We have a blessed hope. we got to keep it the priority in order. Jesus, we're going to see him soon. That soon could be 80 years, could be 90 years, could be 10 years, could be tonight. Having that blessed hope with you all the time is huge in your outlook and perception of everything that you're going through. Another thing in fervent in spirit that it mentions there in 11 is basically be on fire for God. Think of those people who are on fire for the Lord and how it's neat to just be around them and just to glean things, just to have some of that rub off. And then guess what happens? You get on fire for the Lord as you grow and mature in the Lord and you're lighting somebody else up too. We need, we need to set people on fire with the fire that the Lord gives us. Be on fire for the Lord. How do you do that? Lord, 
Set me on fire for you. God knows the intent of my heart. Lord, just set me on fire. Set every one of these people in here tonight on fire. Just for you, Lord. Use their personality. Use their gift tonight with their husband, with their wife, with their kids, tomorrow in their business world. Just set them on fire. That other people will be attracted to you and just want to rub shoulders with you because you're warm. You're attracting them. And we know it's the Holy Spirit because we know without him how offensive we can be. Let's take a look at verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Basically, just serving the Lord till he comes. That blessed hope, just serving him till he comes. Lord, what can I do today? Pick up the piece of paper. Oh, I'll get it. Bang, it's up. What is it? It can be a small thing. It can be a big thing. Patient and tribulation. What tribulation are you going through right now? We pray for some people who are going through some health issues. Maybe some of you out there are going through financial issues. Maybe it's a social issue. Maybe it's an age. Maybe it's an age thing. You're getting older and it's bothering you. Don't let it bother you. The blessed hope. We're living forever. Eternally. 70, 80, 90 years. That's a drop in the bucket. When you're 10 billion trillion killion to the 900 billion trillion killion power. What's 70 years? What's 80 years? The blessed hope. God gave us that hope. We're only passing through. You've heard that so many times. We're just passing through. Are we making most of the time that we have? Before we're in the presence of the blessed Jesus, who is our blessed hope. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. How are you doing with your prayer? How are you doing with talking to the Lord? Are you tough? Are you a warrior? Or you're a wimp? Do you pray without ceasing? Do you pray with all that dead time in our lives? Do you pray for your walk with the Lord, for your Family's walk for those people in church that the Lord puts on your mind. Do you pray for your enemies? Probably not for your enemies, but we didn't get to that section yet. That'll be coming pretty soon. Verse 13 Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. How much fun is it when we get together? How much fun is it when we hang out and break bread together? I don't think there's a time that we've got together as a body or as individuals. And I I said to Maria, you know, I don't want to do that anymore with them. 
It's, it's nice getting to know one another. It's fun mixing things together with all the different opportunities that we have. Now, how does it apply individually to you? Are you hospitable? And if so, are you doing it with a pretense or a motive, or are you just doing it out of the love of the person? Not showing off, but there's no hypocrisy. You just like being with them. Spur of the moment. Oh, yeah, I'll go with you. You want to come with us? Sure, let's go. Just like you would with a family member. And if that person says, no, I can't do it today, do you take it as an offense? Or do you realize, hey, they're busy too. They just couldn't do it this time. Shows a lot about where we are in our actions towards the Lord and towards his people. Remember, the greatest gift that we know is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And just think about this. The gift that you give, okay, or the gift that counts, is usually the gift that costs. It costs something. It might cost your humility. It might be that thing that you take that first step with someone who irritates you, or you can actually call as your enemy, but you take that step. I bet right now, if I said, think of who that person is that irks you or is an enemy, I bet you can come up with at least one person somewhere in or outside the church. Doesn't matter. There's got to be that one person that irks you. Might be more than one. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. How many times have you cursed someone that was persecuting you? Probably a lot, if you're human. You've probably had some very difficult and bad feelings and thoughts towards a person who was putting you or your family through persecution. Notice what it says here in 14, and this is the last action. These are actions. In other words, we're seeing how much are we a living sacrifice? How much is the Lord doing in us? Well, here with a person who's persecuting, are you blessing them or are you still cursing them? Now, we're not talking about somebody who's coming after you and your family and they're attacking you physically. Please, we're not going, that's not even the issue. You defend yourself, you defend your family, okay? You're a warrior of the Lord, too. We're talking about that person on a daily basis or on a uh, weekly basis, whatever it is, that really irritates you. It might be somebody who mocks your faith. It could be somebody in the church whose personality just doesn't line up with you. And they bother you. You don't want to go near him. Well, guess what? The Lord says here, through the Apostle Paul, to bless those and do not curse. Well, Lord, so-and-so, as you know, has been really a pain in my life. I need you to change my heart towards that person. 
Give me the courage. Give me the confidence. Give me your Holy Spirit. Set me on fire that I can make that first step in a reconciliation. Because you know what, Lord? I know what you did in my life. My goodness, dear Jesus, if I reacted to others, or if you reacted to me the way I reacted to others, I'm a burnt piece of toast, long gone. You've taken me off this earth a long, long time ago. So I've got to realize in my life how much Jesus Christ has forgiven me. And then project Jesus' forgiveness and mercy and grace on that person who is a troubled, thorn, persecutor in your life. Not easy, but remember it's Jesus doing it. You need to go to him. Verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now we're getting into the reaction. The last few verses was our action to be actively doing this. Okay, from verses, the last few verses. Okay, from 9 to 13. Now 14, I'm sorry, uh, 15 now, we're reacting. We're going to react now. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now, if you're on the receiving end, someone's coming to you and having joy with you or weeping with you, I just want to give you a little tip. Because what they say or don't say could be an irritating thing to you. You might have been on that receiving end. Please just look at their heart. They might not know of what to have said to you, let's say, if you lost a loved one. And it might have been something, but why did they say it that way? You and I have to look at their heart, the intent of their heart, just to be able to approach you and just to be able to come to you in this time of grieving. That tells you something about this person. They might not say it the way that you want it to be said. But look at their heart. What is their heart saying? Receive their heart and not necessarily their words. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Oh, my uncle just passed away and gave me $10 billion. Oh, that's awesome, man. Oh, man, why couldn't my uncle do that to me? It's a change of heart. We know how we feel. We've been through those situations where things, oh man, that's pretty cool, but Lord, that never happened in my life. That would have been awesome. But you know what? Things are more important than these things. We're passing through. It's temporary. Better things are coming. God is using everything to change your heart and my heart. Whether it be another person a financial health, whatever it is. He's getting us ready. Like any good coach would. He's getting you ready for the main thing. And the main thing is when we're face to face with him. And then we will know him when we see him face to face. 
Everything will become clear. Won't be through that cloudy glass anymore. Romans 12, uh, 16 says, Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Just going along with that, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And Ephesians says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Now back to Romans 12.16. Be of the same mind towards one another. How cool is it? How awesome is it? When you, someone else is on the same page as you. How awesome is that? Whether, again, it's in business, in sports, in your family, when you're all on the same page, how much, how much power and peace is in just that same mindset? Well, you and I have the mind of Christ. If we're feeding our spirit, we're to be imitators of Jesus Christ. But you can only imitate someone if you're hanging around them and watching every action. So we need to get to know Jesus. And how do we get to know him? Eat in his word. Being bathed by the water of the word. Talking to him. Fellowshipping with like-minded people. Being encouraged. Being picked up when we're down. Rejoicing when others are rejoicing. Weeping when others are weeping. Lord, break my heart with what breaks yours. Great song that's out there. Break my heart with what breaks yours. Lord, I want your heart. I don't want Vinny's heart. You've already shown me that Vinny's heart's wicked and corrupt. I want your heart. And he's the master transplant surgeon. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Reach out to those you don't know. Say hello to somebody new every time if you can. Shake their hand. Get to know their name. God brought that person into your life for a reason, into our lives for a reason. It's that sharpening of each other through the fellowship, breaking bread, getting into God's word, lifting one another in prayer. Think of each other here. How many of us have met through different circumstances, some good, some bad? God uses everything together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. Because it wouldn't be our purpose to figure that out, to be that intelligent, to know the mind of God. But he puts it together. He's a working, living God, actively interested in every single thing in your life, bar none. The more insignificant it is to others, the more important it is to the Lord. And don't be wise in your own opinion. Don't be foolish like that. Always look to learn, always look to glean from the Lord. God has so much still that he's going to reveal to us now and throughout eternity. We know nothing. 
compared to the Almighty God in his mind. Let's go on to verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Boy, that's what we like to do. I'll show you, pal. You think you got over it on me? I'm coming right back at you, double and triple barreled. You're not going to hurt me. Well, the Lord shows us a different way. Repay no one evil for evil. In 3 John 1.11, it says, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. In Galatians 6.9, it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good. Notice that. And let us not grow weary while doing good. If it's of your flesh, if it's of my flesh, we're going to wear out. We're going to burn out. That's one of the litmus tests. Are you burning out doing things that are good? Well, you need to let the Lord do it through you. You never burn out. Caleb, 80 years old, still took the mountain for the Lord. 80 years old. Why? Because it was the Lord's spirit in him working. There's no age thing here. When God turns you off, it'll be him turning you off and bringing you home. Don't let it be your flesh that turns you off. We talked years ago, right, about Johnny Erickson Tata. Look how the Lord has used her in a wheelchair. She couldn't use her arms or her legs. And look at the impact she's made on the kingdom of God. That's awesome. That's so awesome. It's in our frailties. It's in our weaknesses that God's glory is, is made. He shows himself strong through weak people. We're all weak people. doesn't matter how much you can bench press. We're all weak people. When we're weak, he's strong. May he always be strong. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Cling to what is good. Hate what is evil. Jump at the good things. Run from the evil things. In Galatians 6, 9, I quoted half of it. It said, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Lose your heart. But Christ's heart, let it just beat through your chest. Let everybody see Christ's heart. Put your heart to rest and allow the new heart that God has given you come through. And then, repaying no one evil for evil, back in 17, there's another scripture in 1 Peter 3, 17. It says, for it's better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Well, by you doing good, if you're going to suffer as a result of doing good, well, go for it. If the Lord tarries, let's just say five years, what is our situation going to be in this country as born-again believers, do you think? Is it going to be a persecuted church? Will we have to go underground? Think about it. With religious leaders that are saying all faiths are acceptable, all roads lead to God. And we're saying, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. 
I love you guys, but you're dead wrong. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can go to the Father but through him. And they said, well, you're against the human race. No, we're for the human race. We want everyone to be saved. None to perish. Perish. But they're Jesus-phobics, you see. They don't want to know that there's no other name under heaven by which man can be saved except through Jesus Christ, the living and true God, the second person of the Trinity. And they're going to go to hell rejecting him and embracing all these other false gods. But God is so awesome. He knows the hearts of men and women and people are being saved right now throughout the world who thought they knew who the one true God was in their religion. So you and I need to have a regard for good things in the sight of all men. Verse 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, Live peaceably with all men. Wow. (laughs) That's not always possible. But notice it says, if it is possible. Well, it's not always going to be possible. But you do your part and let me do my part. And if it fails, you do the honorable thing and let it fail on, on the part of the other person. Don't you be the one who drops the ball. Live peaceably with all men. Romans 12, 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Notice he's speaking to you and me. He loves you, the beloved. He loves you and me. Don't avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. God will take care of the situation and the people in the situation according to his timetable. He knows if that very person who you are vengeful against is going to one day be your brother or sister in the Lord. That very person who might be an enemy could be the one who makes a difference in a family member's life or a friend's life. You don't know. They're in your life for a reason. Remember that. Whether they're a friend or an enemy, God has placed them in your life for a reason. One of them is to show your heart. That's the litmus test. How you're reacting or how you're acting. Number two, are you going to pray for this person who right now is your enemy? Number three, are you going to trust the Lord with that person? Are you going to trust in Jesus? Or are you going to trust in the situation? Or are you going to trust in yourself? Hopefully, it's the very first one you're going to trust in Jesus. We need to leave it totally up to the Lord. But Lord, I don't want to do that. I know, Vinny, 
but I'm calling you to do that. Are you going to allow me to intercede in your life, to change your heart, to reach this person? Are you going to be the avenue or do I have to use someone else? Not easy, but again, what's your relationship with Jesus Christ? Romans 12, 20. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, never feed him. Starve him to death. That's the Vinny Bible. That's a Bible according to Vinny. But notice here, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, put salt in his water. Doesn't say that. But that's Vinny's drink to that enemy. God says, if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Man, I like that verse. Let's burn his head. Let's set his head on fire. That's awesome, Lord. Yeah. So I'll be nice to this guy. I'll feed him. I'll give him a drink. And you're going to set his head on fire. No. That's not what it means. There's a couple ways to look at this. One is by being loving and kind to an enemy. There'll be a burning conviction in his heart. And he'll come to repentance. The other way of looking at this is back in these days, if you had a fireplace, you would have coals. And if the coals burnt out, you would go to maybe a neighbor who had the coals burning and take some of those coals. They would have like a clay pot or a vase and they would carry the um, coals, the lit coals, back to their house. So it's actually a blessing. So by blessing others, by doing things, by feeding them, giving them a drink, patting them on the back, even though they're your enemy, you're blessing them. It says in the last verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. A lot of evil in the world. A lot of evil in our churches. It takes praying saints to keep a church pure and holy because it's made up of individuals who are sinners. God has set you apart for Him to be holy and blameless in His sight. We need to pray for the world. Last Sunday, there was a row of kids right here anywhere from, I'm going to say, 20 to 30 years old, all who, one person who's having a heart, has an addiction problem, brought them to hear the message, and two of them came forward. People, that's your prayers. That's your prayers. God's bringing people in here to get saved because of your prayers. Think about that. Not your judgment, but your love and your prayers. That is awesome. An enemy can be destroyed by making them a friend. Let's pray.